There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Beth. She has MS. Let's talk about it. Well, we are sitting here with Beth, uh, our, our my old friend. We go way, way back, Beth and I. She just uh, she just brought up an old memory that uh, that her and I shared that I most certainly didn't forget. Uh, that was a time that we met at Acadia a number of years ago when we were speaking to a nutritionist uh, a class, a class of people in nutrition. School, <laughs> like people who love <laughs> eating. It was a it was a group of eating, we, passionate, eating passionate eating we, enthusiasts. We just spoke at Neil Hall. Um, <laughs> but uh, Beth, the funny thing that you said was, yeah, when you met me, I I only had two diseases, um, which means, which I'm assuming means that you have more than two now, which is exciting. Uh, sorry awful, but exciting because it just makes the show that much better. Um, and also, uh, I, I don't know if this made, made it in, but you did say beforehand that uh, you were going to try not to say fuck because your mom was listening. So we will say, uh, we'll handle all the fucks. All right. You leave the fucks to us. Mom, Perfect. earmuffs, fucking earmuffs, mom. Okay. We're going to have to cut all of this and start. Okay. Ready? Start. Beth, you're 26. You can say fuck all you want. Okay. Uh, Beth, what, uh, tell us, tell us all the diseases, the cool diseases you have. I'll start at the beginning. Uh, right. my first one 13 years ago was type one diabetes. Ouch. Fun times. The only, I have one cousin. That's the only genetic link I have there. So that okay. was super cool. Can you, can you quickly remind me for the, probably the thousandth time that I've been told this, Dude, what is I the difference know. between type one and type two? diabetes? Yeah. You know what I find? It's like, it's like me trying to remember the less than and greater than symbols. Yes. Oh. I, just, yes. I can't no, do it. No, I can't do it. No, I know those. I just learned a trick. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know. Them. I'll teach you after. I just learned a trick. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bigger number gets eaten. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it is the Pac-Man thing, but, but done better. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Okay. okay. So type one is usually genetic and it means my pancreas doesn't work at all. It just kind of shit the bed and decided it didn't want to work anymore. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm in the club. Shitty pancreas club. I know all about it. But like yours is one half your pancreas and mine's the other half. Oh, it, oh whoa. Look at this fucking scientist. Like, what? Like, I mean, I have a science degree. <laughs> so you are a scientist. <laughs> scientist in the house. Follow the science. I mean, I, granted, I went to theater school, so I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't Fair even enough. know what a pancreas is, looks like, or or how to spell yeah. it. He thought it was pan. He thought it was a pan. He thought it was pancakes. <laughs> pancakes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you uh, um, so like my side that makes all the enzymes that yours doesn't. That part still works. Mm. Oh, crazy! Uh, possible. Very I don't cool. know if you heard this on the show or in the news, the broader news. Possible. Uh, type one diabetes cure possibly coming down the line. Wild. How crazy is that? Be, it would be great because it's the one that's the biggest pain in my ass. Yeah, right. No okay. okay, what was the second one you got? Um, so I'm technically not diagnosed, but was assumed celiac. So in my first year of university, I was ridiculously sick, and we think it's celiac disease because my mom and sister both have it as well. Right. Mm. Are they they're genetics. both diagnosed with yes. celiac disease? Yeah. Probably so my mom there. my mom was diagnosed like twelve years ago, my sister ten, and I've been without gluten since twenty fourteen. Wait, right. wait, let, let me take a guess at this one. So I'm guessing that when you were at home with your mom and sister before you went to university, you were eating the same foods that they were eating, so you were mostly fine. Then you went to university, started on that that meal yeah. hall plan. <sighs> The bread, and then, the bread diet. And then it fucked you up. I'm on the bread diet, by the way. I know you are. <laughs> anyway. Bread diet, I miss it. Um, um, fucking dude ate 16 bagels yesterday. And that's not <laughs> even so a... Jealous. No. Not even don't, a jealous. You don't, don't be jealous no, about that. No, I ate three this morning. That, wait. Gluten-free. Ah. Gluten-free ones on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those, thin, okay. those, thin, those thinnies. I call them thinnies. I make my own. 
Oh, nice. Wow. Are they, yeah. do they get scientist and a, a, a baker? Do they Wild. get, do they get thicker? My wife is, my wife is, has been, she's not celiac, but she's been gluten-free for, mm-hmm. for, for quite a while mostly. And, uh, all the bread that she, I find that good gluten-free bread or bagels is a, like really hard to come by. Like there's, they're, they're, they were, there's, there's some that really miss the mark. No, dude, you okay. just need to go to Odell's gluten-free bakery. Oh my goodness. I know, I know that is amazing. So good. You're a big fan of Odell's. What Have you been fan? to Christiani's in the Valley? No, I haven't. No. First hundred percent gluten-free restaurant in the country. No Whoa, way. Really? In Canning, Nova Scotia. Wow. Canning mm-hmm. on the map. Beer, batter, fish and chips. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. So we should, uh, guys, we should do a road we trip. Should. Yeah. Really I fucking want well, I mean, I, Dude, I, you know I go to the valley all the time. fucking nowhere. I love the valley. <laughs> exactly right. Goodness. So, like, the bagels are, like, I don't know, like, three inches wide. They're really small. Okay. So that's why I ate three of them. Right. That makes sense. Brian, they, the, were, they were extra large for Brian. He ate 16. <laughs> <laughs> dude, this podcast has already <laughs> taken so many tangents. I love it. It's what I was expecting. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, so, so. Wait, 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 guys. <laughs> yeah. How are we glossing over the, the question that I asked that was speculating about how we found oh, yeah, out yeah, yeah. that you were possibly uh, oh, a celiac? Said um, or celiac. Right, yeah. So, when I was in Neil Hall, so uh, what I've learned about celiac is it's usually triggered by something. Okay. So my mom had H1N1 and then got sick. Oh, shit. Oh. My sister went to university and got sick, and I went to university and got sick. So I would, like, eat in meal hall and then feel like I was having an appendicitis every Whoa. single day. So I got to learn how to test for an appendicitis quite quickly. Whoa. How do, wait, how do you test for an appendicitis? You put your thumb in your belly button and then put your pinky on your hip bone. And then push in with your middle finger. If it hurts when you pull out, go see a doctor. Whoa. Whoa. That's cool. so much. I wish I knew that um, Uh before I had my appendix removed. That would have been really helpful. I wish I could get mine removed. Like, can I get an elective surgery? Take my appendix, please. Just because it's useless? Like, you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. No, that's a myth. It's not useless. Uh, is it? Well, it, it actually, it actually, uh, and uh, I could be wrong with this. There's a scientist that might correct me, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it actually helps break down fats. I think, there, yeah, I feel like there's something there. There's some that. sort of bile in it that is like, that's, right. that's, that's actually key for <clears throat> well, can't digestion. Be, can't be key. Well, important, and more important, more important than we used to think. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Right on. Interesting. That's really, that is really interesting. So you, so you, you, you ended up going, you ended up going to, m- Starting on meal hall and Ooh, having this appendicitis type, type deal, and then you were like, <laughs> and then you were like, well, I don't have appendicitis, so what the fuck's going on? And then that sent you down the rabbit hole of um, realizing. Yeah, when my mom was diagnosed, our entire family had to get tested to make sure that we weren't too. So every like year after that, I think I got blood work done because there's like a antibody level that they can test, and mine just kept going up and up, but never hit scope level. To okay. actually get a diagnosis. Okay. Now your the third disease is uh, is one. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, 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 honestly, like you know, diabetes. Um, diabetes is a disease that I think a lot of people hear and they go, "Oh, that sounds that sounds sucky." But like, I'm I'm sure most people look at something like diabetes and feel especially people who don't live with it would, would go, "Well, but but it's it's a very manageable disease, and you know, like it's it's not like." It's not like the word cancer, right? You hear cancer and you're like, wow, that's scary. That's a fucking it's scary a death sentence or disease, whatever, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that, that the word cancer is scary. Mm-hmm. Celiac disease, you know, again, oh, yeah. y- again, you've got that, the stigma of like, oh, who the fuck? Like, yeah, celiac disease. Okay. Like whatever. Like everybody, every, gluten-free. Yeah, gluten-free hipster shit. <laughs> exactly. But then the third one that you have actually, actually comes with like a lot of weight. And, and I think for a lot of people getting the diagnosis of multiple scler- sclerosis is like fucking scary um so let's let tell us about your diagnosis of ms and and is this recent like when did you when did you find out you had ms um my first symptom was december of 2018 and i was diagnosed january 11th 2019 whoa and that's pretty quick ridiculously fast usually it takes a couple years wow which is how i got aggressive at the front Yes. So what I have in front of me here is aggressive remitting and relapsing multiple sclerosis. Yep. 
What does that mean? Aggressive remitting and relapsing. That's so remitting that, and relapsing is the most common type of MS. And it just means you go through a series of like going through remission and then relapsing. It's like you can, there's like weird charts you can see where it's just like mm. lumps and they just go up and down mm-hmm. like a graph. That's what I mean. And, <laughs> and remission of MS. Um, be, and, and, I, uh, to be quite honest with you, like MS is one of those diseases that I, I don't think we've really had many opportunities over the years uh, to cover one. Uh, one episode. Yeah. And, and, and actually there was one time where we had someone who came on the show we recorded and then they, they actually requested that we didn't publish the episode because they were getting a new job and they were afraid that their employer would hear it and it would like tarnish their, their ability to work. So um, it's a disease that like, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really not familiar with. Um, so, so coming back to the remission thing, um, when, when someone is going through remission or say you're like in remission, right? Do mm-hmm. you, is there kind of a chance that, that it will never relapse again when, when you, when you are in remission? Like, is there a, it, are there times where people have MS and they, they have remission and then like, all right, that was it. You, you, you're in the clear now. You're kind of cured. I think it has, you have to be like on a drug that makes it so you don't. And I mean, probably people that don't have like an aggressive form, I know they can go years with nothing and can um, just have diet and exercise as the way to help their disease. Mm-hmm. But since I have that aggressive tag, I don't get to do that. Right. What, what like is the drug? I'm, what is MS? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask if you if you want to finish that thought. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> I can explain it to you because I just googled it. Okay, oh, perfect. Um, so it's a chronic disease that affects your central nervous system, so your brain and spinal cord. Um, so my immune system attacks the nerve fibers and myelin sheath on my brain and spinal cord. And it, and it, it ends up being. So it's like a fatty tissue that's around your. And then, and then it, it ends up like affecting like the way, the way that you move and like limiting function and things like that. I guess, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm more so thinking of a, of somebody I know who has MS, who's like in their, he's probably in his seventies or mm-hmm. so. And I know that for him, it was like progressive over a long period of time and yes. that sort of thing. Like, is there, um, is there, is there a, I'm, I'm trying to dig out of my memory what, what I know and what I don't know. Is there, is there any MS that isn't, pro, that isn't progressive? Like the way that you have it is the way that you'll always have it? I don't or, think so. Cause I think most MS, they move into more progressive. So like I could go into secondary progressive MS when I hit a certain age or a certain amount of time, if I have enough damage. Right. Okay. It hasn't had time to heal. So you've been, you've been diagnosed, you were diagnosed in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're a few years in, like, how does it, how is it affecting you? Um, I've been in chronic pain for three years and chronic fatigue for three years. Mm. <laughs> um, my diagnosis, I went from completely fine to not able to walk by myself in a month. Whoa. Oh my God. Whoa. Was that, was that from December to to January when that happened or like what were the first symptoms like when you uh, first went into the, the hospital? I never actually went into the hospital. Okay. Um, uh, my first symptom was sensitivity to light. So I was out shopping one day and it was really sunny, obviously in December with the sun, it's so much worse. And my eyes were just wicked sensitive to it. And I was like, ah, oh, it's a migraine. This is fine. Um, and then from there, a few days later, I had a really itchy shoulder to the point that it woke me up from a dead up sleep because it was just so itchy. And like I went to an optometrist and they're like, ah, probably just a pinched nerve. You're fine. Your eyes are good. They just won't uh, focus on anything. But like, you're fine. It's going to be cool. <laughs> we're going gonna to fix that shoulder. And it's going to be great. So like my doctor put me on like... Um, naproxen to try and help with the shoulder and like loosen it a little bit and um the great thing in my life is my sister is a massage therapist that is a great thing it's glorious i mean now (laughs) my boyfriend is also a massage therapist oh wow hey sweet uh, glorious yeah um 
so I'm trying to go through my little notes because I have no memory now too. Like I don't remember much of this whole story. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah, you remembered us meeting at Acadia years I ago. Know. I think that is a huge compliment. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, I can remember like song lyrics from the two thousands, but ask me what I did yesterday, I have no idea. Wow, yeah, right. It makes absolutely no no sense. Um, so I went to the doctor, had the really itchy shoulder, which made me go back to the doctor. Thankfully, I didn't actually go back to my own GP because she was on some sort of like Christmas break or just a day off. I got sent to like the one that was on call in my group. So all she knew about me was um, that my eyes are really sensitive to light and my shoulder was really itchy. And she was like, this makes no sense. Let me call a neurologist. So um, she called the neurologist. He took me off the naproxen that I was on in case I was having allergic reaction took me off birth control in case my issue was vascular and they didn't want me to have a stroke, which is very nice of them. <laughs> and uh, ordered an MRI because he also had no idea what was going on. And like, I, I know you said that you don't have much memory, but but do you, were, do you recall, <clears throat> you know, at that moment where this GP is like, whoa, this is really weird. Let's get a, let's get a, a neurospecialist involved. Like, were, was there, was there, I feel like if I was in that position, I'd be like, Oh fuck. Like I'm now I'm worried. Like now, now that now this seems like it's, it's a little bit bigger than what I assumed, which was, you know, I've had a migraine or I slept on my fucking shoulder weird and need to get it massaged out. Like, were you starting to, were you starting to like, like internally freak out a little bit with, with, having to see an, a, a neurospecialist? I'll be completely honest. No, I feel like I'm just used to things going wrong. Right. As bad as that sounds. Right. <laughs> um, I was just excited that someone took the next step to find a neurologist right. for me to see. Mm-hmm. I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like, um, I, I have a, a bit of a, um, I don't know. It's a bit of an irrational fear, but it's, um, I've, I've, I've noticed it probably in the last year or so where I've started to feel like, um, you know, if I had to, if I, if I had symptoms of some kind and I went to the doctor that, and, and maybe it comes from, maybe it comes from all the conversations that we've had with people where, you know, you go, they go into the doctor and they say, you know, I've, I've got this thing going on and this thing going on. And, and on the surface level, they, those types of symptoms seem like sort of what you were saying, like, you know, I've got a, we, I've got an itchy shoulder. I've got a feeling, this feeling in my shoulder, massage it. I've got a sensitivity in my eyes, you know, see the optometrist and, and that they are under, like they are pointing towards something more serious, but because they seem like these like very basic symptoms, they get written off. And I have this sort of like, I've had this like little fear developing that, you know, something might, I might have something going on in my body, but I'll end up going to the doctor and being and being written off because the symptoms aren't like flashing a red light that I mm. need attention of some kind. Mm-hmm. Plus, we hear stories of of so many people who go in with those. I know that that's kind of what you're saying, but like the, they often don't get diagnosed for the more serious thing for like five yes. to seven years. Yeah. like yeah. after yeah. that. So. Yeah, a friend of mine. Yeah. Ju- a friend of mine just. Um, I may- maybe we'll actually have her on the podcast actually because I, I, she had a really interesting story, but. She had something weird where she had uh, vertigo mm-hmm. for a couple of days. She went to the doctor and they said, uh, uh, you know, it, it just, just rest basically. And it turned out that she had uh, she had an infection and she's lost full hearing on, in her left ear. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, it was like, and, and it was like, if they had said on the day that you saw the doctor, it probably would have been fine, but then there was like a two week delay and that two week delay is why you won't hear out of your left ear ever again. So just like things like that, like I hear those stories and I hear the stories of the people we talk to. Obviously I'm, I'm glad that this isn't the case. This is what we're kind of, we're kind of doing, doing the opposite with you that like you come in and you say these symptoms that seems quite benign to me as an, as a non doctor. Um, but that the doctor can go, Oh, Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Let me weird. put these two yeah. weird things together. Yeah. And, exactly. and but it's funny, Jerry, like when you ask that question too, um, like I think about like, wh- though I, I, my question um, is for you, Beth, is like, how did the doctor actually say it? Because I'm imagining the the doctor being like, oh, um, you know what? This is These are interesting symptoms. So why don't we just maybe take you off that medication? Let's get a specialist in here to do some scans. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. That would probably make you feel pretty comforted. But if the person was like, oh my God, I think that's what you I have would, those symptoms. Yeah. That's what Whoa, I would, we immediately yeah. need to take you off this medication yeah. and order some brain scans because yeah. you don't might move. be don't fucked. Move. Yeah. Get inside <laughs> this problem. Yeah. Thank God. Most doctors, I think yeah. are trained not to react that way. I mean, I she, did, she definitely was like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of nice. So so when you when you see when you see this other doc and he's like, all right, we'll take you off the oh, there's the a lot of steps between there. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, what got you like take us through that that journey of of what came next and how you ended up getting to the diagnosis. So uh a nice story that needs to be told before I get into the next part. Um when I was 17, I had wicked migraines. So I started getting MRIs. I had like an MRI done. They found extra tissue on my pituitary gland, which they think was probably there since I was born, but they just wanted to make sure that it wasn't growing. So I had to get MRIs like once a year for five years. So I had just the June before this all started, had an MRI. It was clean. And they had just said, oh, it's been five years. It'll now be five years before you need another MRI. Right. So that was... Great to know. Um, So what happened next in the story was on Christmas. Um, I had a nap after we opened presents and woke up and my feet were numb. So like it was like they had fallen asleep with like that tingly sensation. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty cool. And they just never like woke up. Were you afraid? Did that that scare you? Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I can yes, imagine. Mm-hmm. And then like the whole Christmas afternoon, I just felt like I was going to pass out because I just felt so weirdly lightheaded, which then got me back to the doctor, of course. Thanks, Canada, for that free health care. <laughs> um, so I went back to my GP and she assumed that it was uh, diabetic neuropathy. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah, right. Because like di- di- people with diabetes like can lose their feet and shit because... Right. Uh, because of like, High blood because of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because of that neuropathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My A1C, which is like your average blood sugar for three months wasn't perfect. So that's what she assumed it was. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. So Do I just you, had to wait until I got the MRI to see what was happening. Right. Do you have a, um, like a glucose monitor? Are you like constantly, what are, what are those ones that are attached to you? Okay, yeah, right. yeah, you're showing right us an app right now. And so that's like a What did that say? That's at eleven point seven? Is that what it is? Oh yeah, I'm there? high. I'm high. I was like that is high. Yeah. Oh yeah, look at that. So Sweet. it tests my blood sugar every five minutes. Um we uh it's it's interesting because on our Discord uh right now there's a um one of our Discord members just had one of their kids um diagnosed with diabetes and uh she's been sharing some information on there that's been really interesting. Um, I'm curious for like a, a young family who has a, a child that's diagnosed with diabetes who are really worried about how their life will be impacted. What has your, like your experience with, before we continue down the MS mm-hmm. road, um, what has your experience with diabetes been like? Ha, like has, have you seen it as being a massive pain in your ass or... I mean, it is the disease that is the biggest pain in my ass on a daily basis, but it's just because it can fluctuate so much, but like, it hasn't been bad. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any like scary moments in the last 13 years, which is pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, That diagnosis was cool too, because I don't show normal anything. Mm -hmm. My sugar was 36 when I was diagnosed. Whoa. Normal. That's really high, right? Isn't yes. it supposed to be like five <laughs> supposed or to be like three? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for a, not, a person without diabetes, it's like five to seven. And mm. with, I was taught like four to eight. Mm. So uh, 36 should, was a little high. You're high right now. You're 11, right? I am a right? high right now. Yeah, I just had lunch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> should, should you do anything about that? Or are you going to no. be okay? 
I'll be okay. good. I'm I'll okay. Be I have 911. <laughs> I just, I, I didn't call them yet, but I had to have it dialed yeah. in here. So yeah. would you like That's some, totally would, gonna help you. would you like some One, advice from Brian on how to manage your diabetes? <laughs> I, <would love> some, <laughs> I mean, I have 13 years of experience, but it's yeah. fine. You tell me. Yeah. But Brian, Brian's a podcast host. Yeah. 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 Of yeah, course. Yeah. 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 You've talked to a lot of people with diabetes at this point. Yeah. I pretty yeah. much have diabetes now. Exactly. I mean, you don't want it. It's not that fun. <laughs> so the, uh, so, so the doc thinks you have the potential neuropathy mm-hmm. um what's the what's kind of the next sort of uh step in getting closer to this diagnosis um so the numbness kept traveling up my legs is what happened so by new year's it was up to my knees and i could only walk if i had help oh i mean like it wasn't as bad then but like continually got worse my mom is the one who said enough is enough and we went to emerge on new year's eve if there is one thing I can suggest, do not go to emerge on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Goodness gracious. We got there. Um, I saw like the triage nurse. I think my blood pressure was crazy high. My heart rate was crazy high. And they were like, oh, you're fine. You're going to wait. So I think I sat there for six hours before I saw a doctor <clears throat> with no feeling from the, from the knee down, which wow. is apparently not weird enough to see a doctor. Um, when I saw him, he like made me do a couple like walking tests to see what my gait was like. He thought it was weird, but not weird enough. All my blood work was normal. So he said, oh, we're just going to wait for your MRI and see what happens. There's no way you have MS. There's no way you have Billion Barre. There's no way it's any of these things. Don't know what it is, but it's not those. Hmm. So that was fun. Interesting. Would they? Would it show? Would it show? Would MS show up in blood work? Uh, no, but he could see my MRI from the June before and was like, "Oh, it's uh, fine. There's no way anything's different." No, oh, mm-hmm. but this had like just come on. Yeah. Oh, right. Because yeah. it was because it's aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, which is why he right. So the doctor is is discounting the idea that it could be this like aggressive kind that that happened really quickly he was going well from june until now yeah, yeah there's no be, way right that's a sh- shitty thing like if <laughs> if this was a gray's anatomy episode they would have figured right? that out right away they would have i yeah. yeah i believe yeah. it too yeah because they write it exactly <laughs> they, they make it up exactly. no yeah. no it's because no gray's anatomy <laughs> is a documentary yeah because when you it write is, it's a great you, show when you get to yeah. make things up you get them they happen as you'd like it's not them made to, up too. it's real life. this does this does kind of sound like a bit of a house-esque kind of story though you know like you're coming in with all these weird fucking symptoms none of it really makes sense in terms of what like Mm -hmm. is to be assumed by medical professionals but there's obviously something fucking wrong here and Mm -hmm. so like was this guy dr house like what was he no yeah he just fucked the opposite of shit yeah Yeah, (laughs) he said since it was new year's eve there was no point in calling a neurologist because he'd just get one that was somewhere else in the province on call and he couldn't do an MRI because the only way you get an MRI on New Year's Eve is if you've severed your spinal cord. Well, because no one's how, there. How fucking annoyed was your mother? Like, oh, you're, yeah, oh, your, your poor mom was just like, yeah, pretty much. Fucking New Year's Eve. Now, like, now, if you ask, fucking daughter. No, she didn't say fuck. Or sorry, no. she, yeah, she, she said there's something now. wrong with my flipping daughter because <laughs> I'm a perfect mother and I don't swear. <laughs> neither does my daughter. <laughs> I'm not going to like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she, the one thing that she regrets and still talks about today is not pushing for that doctor to do the MRI. Yeah. 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 And like, that's a thing, you know, I mean, time and time and time again, we've heard it on the show, like having someone in your corner to advocate for you or just advocating for yourself in those ways, Mm -hmm. like the amount of times that we've heard how that has has been the deciding factor has been the thing that has led to someone's diagnosis in these weird times where things don't really make sense and it's not lining up like it's so important to be able to do that for yourself or to have someone like your mom in in your corner and even then sometimes it's just there's not enough there's not enough push to to kind of like get you what you but i guess like would would would, um would like would it have made a difference if you got an MRI that night? Yeah, they would have saw all the lesions. And as opposed to like how, when did it happen? So like, I guess after New Year's Eve, when they 
they send you home, then what happens? Um, the numbness traveled up to like my tailbone. So I had no feeling, well, basically no feeling from the waist down. Oh my God. And then the only way I could walk was with support or holding on to something for dear life. So like usually a human or like a wall. Yeah. Grippy socks. Wore those. Yeah. So I wouldn't fall. Yeah. So when, that was fun. so when you, when you say numbness too, like, do you, is it like that sort of like pins and needles feeling like where you're like, are your like arms totally asleep and you yeah. don't have like feeling, yeah. I guess, in it? Yeah. So it was like sensation loss and it was numb. It was but very you strange. St- you could still control with a your lot legs, of focus. But you couldn't really like feel right. where they were moving in space. God, exactly. So like I couldn't yeah. feel the ground. That's weird. That's right. So it was weird. it was very strange. Yeah. So but like I'm so I'm really confused because it it I mean that sounds really scary to me obviously. Mm-hmm. And they send you home from the hospital and it's still getting progressively worse. Were you like in your mind were you thinking like oh well, well I'm just going to get better or were you thinking like, what the fuck? Like why? I need some answers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I was just waiting for that MRI and thankfully it was like a week later. Okay. So that helped. Um, I was working the whole time too. So that was really fun because I worked for the government and we were understaffed. So I just sat at my desk in a dark room with sunglasses on and my computer screen is light as, as dark as it would go. <clears throat> well, hey, at least you're, you were in a rickshaw driver, you know? Exactly. My job was easy to do. That's right. It was just yes. sitting in the desk. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's what I usually, yeah, I was comparing. I mean, as soon as she said she was working, I was like, fuck, I really hope she says she's, she's not, not a, rick- a rickshaw, rickshaw driver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's, totally. what jumped, that's what jumps It looked like I would be, right? Yeah. In my pink tie-dye. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. What does, um, <clears throat> what does, what does the, um, I think, I think in my brain, even though I know they're not the same at, really at all, but but I think I, for some reason, my brain connects them, um, MS and ALS. And I think I connect them in the way that they are progressive. I think that's probably the tie that my brain makes. But I, I connect them that they both have S in it, in them. Yeah, me too. Sure. Okay. And, um, and, and so, and so I, you know, I, and I know that I know that <clears throat> in a lot of cases, um, and from what you said there, it sounds like, it sounds like most, most cases you do end up, it does end up being a progressive um, thing that, that sort of, you know, over, I, I, I guess for, it's different for every, for everybody. It seems like there's a different length of time where, mm-hmm. where it progresses. Like what, how, how aware of that, of that aspect of it were you when you got diagnosed or, or maybe as you became more aware of the progressive nature <clears throat> of, of MS, like how did that affect you in terms of just the way that you're thinking about your life, what you want to do, your, you know, your priorities, where your passions lies, like that sort of thing. It definitely stresses me out because I could wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk. There's always that fear, but I don't know. At this point, I'm just so used to getting diseases that it's just felt like another day and I was happy to get a diagnosis and didn't really care what it meant. And thankfully with like MS, when you look up like the, what's the word, how long you're going to live if you have MS, like the prognosis it's like you die like seven years sooner than the average person. So it's not like ALS where you you're on a, you're on a very fa- yeah, quickly. Yeah. You're on a fast train to, mm-hmm. to yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I had this and this, I don't know how relevant this is, but it popped into my head and, and I always, it always, <clears throat> it always, um, I don't know. It always made me feel a certain way. Uh, a friend of mine or her, her dad uh, has MS and, you know, it, it's progressed over the years um, and, you know, he's lost some, he's lost function over the years. And, um, and I started doing the podcast and it, and, it, and then when I, when we started doing the podcast and talking about this stuff and, and really talking about how important um, and how valuable it can be to talk about this stuff and to, you know, put it out there, have people understand, reduce stigma and, you know, sort of normalize these, these things and the things that we go through that are hard. Um, it stuck out to me that, that, that she and her family like really wanted to just like not talk about it ever and yeah. like really imagine that it didn't exist. 
And, um, I don't know. That's just always, that's just always, I'm just bringing that up because it's, it just struck me as something, especially when I, especially when I hear, um, when I hear you talk about it like that and go, you know, it, it freaked me out. But I, you know, when you look at the, uh, when you look at the, uh, the, not the longevity, but what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? The like life expectancy, life expectancy. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's drastically different than, yeah. um, than the average person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, and I, oh, it always kind of struck me as this, like, you know, everyone's entitled to deal with it the way that they want to deal with it. But I always kind of felt like, man, why not? You know, you know, like you're there, it's not, you're really treating this like it's a, like it's a death sentence, a death sentence yeah. in the, like in the very near future. And it really just, and, and to my understanding, it wasn't that. And I, mm-hmm. and it just always, um, and, and it always, it always just stood out to me I, I, again. Like I'm, I, that's not necessarily a question, but just something that about MS that I always, it tripped me out because I think that changed my perspective on MS mm-hmm. because it made me feel like it was, I mean, I know that it's serious. I know that it, it progresses and everything, but it made me feel like a an MS diagnosis in some ways was this like, was a was a death sentence. And, um, and, 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 and I, I understand that it's, it's not, it's not that, um, Mm -hmm. it's not that, and it is serious, but you know, like looking at it, like what, what is your, what is your like, um, like I guess a little bit of the same question, but like looking out into the future, like how do you, how do you, how do you see it affecting, affecting your life? And like, you know, does it, do you, do you see it like getting in the way of, of anything that you want to do and like aspirations that you have? Um, kind of like even now, um, I can't really leave my job because of insurance. Right. Oh, wow. And like when I think about having kids someday, it's going to be quite a process because you can't be pregnant and on these drugs. Right. Uh, so I'd have to come off drugs. They say that most times when you're pregnant, it helps with MS and like yeah. pregnant and breastfeeding, but also being pregnant with diabetes sounds horrible. Mm. Cause like your blood sugars have to be perfect. There's just, it'd have to be a lot of planning to go into it. Yeah. But and it, when I get there, I get there. If I don't, I don't. Are the drugs that are the drugs that you're on? Are they trying to are they trying to like regulate your immune system so that it doesn't is that is that what it's targeting? Um, so the way my drug works, how they explained it to me, is it works like a garage door on my blood brain barrier, so that my immune system can't attack my nervous system. So like the door, give me this, give me this door analogy. How's this, how's this door analogy work? The door opens and it's the, closed. and the, uh, and the door close, closes. Yeah, the drug is the closed door. Ah, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I got so you. So my immune system can't attack my nervous system. Right, right, right. So right, that right. hopefully my brain has time to heal. Right. We don't, and we don't want that door to open. Oh, no, okay. No. Right. Because it's in between. Like when you, when it comes on, like it, when it's not in remission, when you have like a flare up, I guess yeah. you probably call it, um, relapse, yeah. a, relapse. Uh, a relapse that it, it, that your immune system is basically damaging your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then in between you're hoping that it can repair itself. But if those relapses happen mm-hmm. too frequently, yes. then you don't get the, you don't get the rehab on it mm-hmm. and it, and it just, pro- and that's how it progresses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So smart. Dude, you're, so, are you a doctor? So when you, <laughs> I'm a podcast host. <laughs> uh, when you, when you got the diagnosis of MS, um, walk us through how that felt. Um, so I was supposed to meet with the neurologist like the day after my MRI, but in a true Canadian fashion, there was a big old snowstorm <laughs> that canceled my appointment. Of course. I thought you were going to say there was a protest. <laughs> no, big old snowstorm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Timmy's shut down and he was <laughs> oh like, well, goodness. can't, t- don't talk to me until I've had my Timmy's. <laughs> exactly. Classic can't, Canadian can't shit. You Americans wouldn't get it, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> Um, so I was supposed to meet with my GP the day after to talk about what the neurologist said. So she had to actually be the one to tell me. So she, for the second time, got to be the one to tell me that I had a life-changing disease. Yeah. So I was probably not the best for her. 
So and my mom and I went to that appointment because I brought my mom to all my appointments because I'm a fake adult. <laughs> um, uh, and like we were like, oh, the person emerged said there was no way it was MS. How is it MS? So she went and called the neurologist and was like, okay, how? And he said that he couldn't actually diagnose anything until he actually saw me because there's a bunch of like physical exams that he has to do. Right. Well, what was the difference between your reaction to the diagnosis and your mother or your family's reaction? Um, I think, I mean, I'll be honest, this is one of the things I really don't remember. Did I block it out? Who knows? Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure we both cried in the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings were not impressed because, you know, obviously who wants to hear that their sister has a new disease that's like life altering. And not just something easy, like all the other ones. Not impressed um, is a really funny way of putting it because when you said not impressed, I was kind of like, like, like they were like, yeah, they were, they were like, oh, Beth, always like, always I know. coming up with the things that make mom and dad love her more than us. I know. Gosh, I'm the needy one. Gosh, the worst. I just take all the parents' attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's me. Um, yeah, we just weren't that happy. I yeah. guess. I don't know. I really don't yeah. remember. But at the same time, you're like, finally a diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. But like there, that helped. There is a bittersweetness to it for sure. Like exactly. it, it explains all the things that you knew was, were fucking wrong, mm-hmm. but, but now you, <clears throat> and you, you can have, act. Yeah. You, yeah. There's like, there's a way to put it, put forward a game plan, but you're also now labeled with this thing that is like mm-hmm. forever going to be a part of you. And, yeah. and you know, all of the, the, all of the things that come with that, which, which is kind of a good segue into like, you know, as someone who has, um, who's dealing with three chronic diseases, how has this had an effect on your mental health? Um, I have no filter now and I deal in sarcasm. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know. I've ever since the beginning, like even with other diseases, I've never really thought why me. I've been more of a why not me. Like there's nothing special about me that makes it so I won't get diseases. And I knew that I was probably more prone to them because the amount of autoimmune diseases in like my five member immediate household. Yeah. Because we have eight between the five of us. Right. So I don't know. I never really thought. Yeah. Why me was never a question I asked. So it's never like I, I take it and just, just from, you know, just from talking to you and, and, and seeing the way that you kind of run through the story, like it seems like it's never really been something that has, I mean, obviously we all get sad and we all get, mm-hmm. we all get down on, um, on whatever it is that's happening in our lives that, uh, that challenges us. And, you know, we all have good days, we all have bad days, but, um, I take it that this has never really like had a, a profound effect on your mental well being in terms of like dealing with de- things like depression or, or generalized anxiety or like a- a- anything like that. Mm-hmm. No, it really hasn't. I don't know why. I think it's just because I'm used to things going wrong, as bad as that sounds. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's something. I think there's something to that, especially especially when I think maybe a, it's something that we've talked about a bit on the podcast, like the the difference between being born with something or being diagnosed with something when you're young versus being diagnosed with something like into your adulthood. You know, you've got experience with having diabetes as a, as a kid. And, and I I would, I would imagine that subconsciously or consciously there's, you know, dealing with something is sort of innate to you. Like you've got that it's Mm -hmm. built in and it's been built in since, you know, before your brain was fully developed. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's probably, you know, as, 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 as much as it sucks to have diabetes, there's, I would, I, I I wouldn't feel crazy in saying that there's something to your experience with that that enables you to handle a diagnosis like MS in a mm. in, in a in a in a you know quote unquote better way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Usually, when I tell people my story, they just say, "Oh, you're so positive about it." Like, <clears throat> Why would I be negative? That sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah, I, totally. I um, as as you guys are talking about that, I I kind of have a thought that I haven't had 
before, but it, it's this, this feeling around like that question and, and this idea that like an experience like this, you know, can either negatively or positively affect you, I think is, um, it's a bit hard to classify it that way in the sense that like, this is something that I've been exploring in therapy a lot over the past, um, year is that I think all of these experiences, experiences that we have affect us in profound ways. I just don't think that they're positive or negative. Like, I don't think it affects like the way that you approach situations in terms of like a way that you could categorize as being positive or negative. I think it affects you in a way that like you will go on to like, I think it influences your personality and the type of person that you are um, and the way that you react and handle situations. But I don't think it's necessarily a thing that you can categorize as being good or bad. And, do you think um, that it could be, do you think that it could be, I hear what you're saying. Do you think that it could be, it can be simultaneously both, but it ends up being net one or the other? Yeah. I, I, I just find it hard to say good or bad because, and yes, yes, probably in some capacity if you're able to evaluate that. But I think that we're, we're not even, I'd say in large part, unless you're like really asking your, yourself the question of like, why do I behave in this exact way and do this thing in my life? Then only then can you like sort of attribute that to your past experiences. So, um, for example, uh, we've talked a little bit about this. I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast, but I had a, like a, 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 I have a really like hard time with gifts and surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, and, did we talk about this on the podcast? You've mentioned it before, but I don't know if it was on the podcast or yeah. not. So um, for me, I've always just thought like, oh, well, that's the type of person I am. Like, I don't want people to spend, you know, money on, feel like they have to spend money on me. I don't want to feel like I have to spend money on somebody to, to show them that I love them. And, and, all the, and, and yeah, it's way more complex than that. But to boil it down or simplify it, um, I just thought that that was part of like who I am. I'm just like, these are my values and this is why I feel this way. But then when I actually start to think about it, I'm like, well, what is my experience like with getting gifts? And then I think back to earlier moments in my childhood where I would receive gifts from people that all I really wanted was to spend quality time with them, but instead they would give me a gift and not actually spend quality time with me. And so as I start to work through that, I'm like, well, I just have a bad relationship with gift giving. Like it's never really meant anything to me. So, you know, I've never really like it's never because it never meant anything to me growing up, then I've developed this relationship with it where it now no longer means anything for me to give a gift because I would rather give my time than, you know, go and spend money to show somebody that I care about them. And so until I like spent hours in therapy digging out like how that, those past experiences or like, you know, looking at it, looking more so looking at, the way that I act or feel in a moment now, only then can I start to attribute it to like a past experience, which then allows me to understand how that past experience influences my life now. And in a way where like, like really that was what I would say would be an insignificant moment for my past, but actually has had this profound and lasting impact. And so through my experience in being in, in therapy, I feel like, our lives are made up of these moments from our past that like we don't realize how much of an impact they've had on us. And so I think of like, I think if, if personally, like if I was diagnosed with like diabetes or, or MS, it might be easy to say like, well, you know, like celiac disease too, dude, don't forget celiacs. It it might just be easy to say like, like, Oh, well, like I'm okay with this and, and really truly mean it and be okay with it. But then, like you said, Taylor, like maybe it does shape like your experience with diabetes then shapes your ability to handle that situation because you're like, well, fuck, I've been here before. And so I guess that's a really long way of, of asking this question, but I'm curious if you think that your like resilience that you've, you've, you've sort of built up from handling these, you know, diagnoses, I I wonder if that sort of impacts your life in other areas where you feel like, Oh, that maybe that is a reason why I tend to be more like this or have this type of personality. Yes. Yes, I definitely <laughs> do. As a perfectionist, yes. 
<laughs> I'm definitely a perfectionist. So like I've debated OCD a few times um, because I just like everything to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the diseases making it like that. So like with diabetes, I want my sugars to be perfect. Got to take all my meds at the right time. Got to mm-hmm. do all that stuff and go to all my doctor's appointments. And mm-hmm. so you, so you sound like just a good patient. <laughs> I am a great patient. My doctors all love me. Fuck, I'm a See, horrible patient. And I think that's a really, I think that's a really um, great point too. Because when I used to work for a team building company, we would do these training uh, uh, exercises where we would talk about strengths, and instead of calling weaknesses weaknesses, we would call them overdone strengths, and so perfectionism is like something that you could probably attribute to, you know, your, like, like, as you mentioned to these, the living with these diseases. Um, but also I imagine that perfectionism isn't only a good or bad thing in your life. I, I imagine Mm -hmm. that it probably affects you in both ways. It does. Definitely. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts i want to know about your like about treatment um so you know like what are, what is the can you like rifle off all the things that you do slash take to not um, die <laughs> so for diabetes obviously insulin heard of it yeah uh, yeah <laughs> i take two different kinds of insulin because i don't have a pump i do multiple injections cool. so i stab myself five times a day where do you do it? In the butt? Is it the butt or like the leg, the thigh? Um, or the belly? My, the belly. I've done belly so much. Like that's normally where I take it that um, I had to take breaks because oh. I had um, like a buildup of insulin underneath my skin. Whoa. What Whoa. Ha- what's that mean? And so it's called a lipo and it's like scar tissue building up from Whoa. putting insulin in the same spot for too long. Whoa. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I do some in my legs arms isn't really like when I was first diagnosed, I put all of my insulin in my arms, but then they came out with this study or something saying that using your arms wasn't the best because people can't get it into like the fatty tissue place on your arm. I can because I'm special because I can like contort that way or something. Right. But yeah. So insulin important. Um, I take a lot of vitamins for the most part, because when you're diagnosed with MS, you're automatically put on a high dose vitamin D supplement because Mm. the levels of MS are more prevalent in the Nordic countries. So anything like above the equator or whatever. So Canada has one of the highest rates of MS in the world. Hmm. Wow. How much uh, vitamin D are you taking a day? Um, I was taking 4,000 a day. But I actually was my endocrinologist's first time ever seeing someone get to a toxic level of vitamin D. Whoa. Um, she said she had never really, like, usually the highest she saw was someone's vitamin D level at, like, 100-ish. Mine was almost 300. Wow. So that was fun. Great. And that was from taking 4,000? 4,000 yeah, so, individual pills a day of, of course. vitamin D. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. That's um, fucking they, crazy. They think dude. it's because I was taking the 4,000 and then was spending time outside in the sun that summer. Uh, right. Interesting. So the combination of the two somehow. And drinking really and, and taking those pills with Sunny D. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Which is, everybody knows that Sunny D has the highest lo- a the, level of vitamin the, D. The, in the it. highest yeah. level of vitamin D and it's yeah. so good for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so good. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Um, and then like my MS drug is called Tysabri. Um, and since I was given that aggressive tag, it's how I got put on this drug. Cause it's not normally where people get started. My neurologist called it the big gun because it's aggressive. Right. Um, 
Ty Sabri sounds like a famous hockey player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. does. Ty um, I'm Sabry pretty sure, like most other, like Red most Wings. other weird drugs that used to be chemo. Mm, like yes, right. Uh, chemo, because I feel yes. like that's what everything is. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so of course it works by making it so your immune system can't attack your nervous system. So I get an IV infusion every 28 days. Oh wow! Oh, like okay. So it's not an like an oral pill. Like this no. is something. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, it's a fun time. How long does the infusion take? It's like an hour and a half. And it can't be done in a hospital. Can't. Can't. Huh. <laughs> um, Why because is that? it's such uh, it has such weird like side effects that can happen that it has to be done in an infusion clinic. So like I have like five, six nurses at an infusion clinic. I have a regional nurse out of Ontario for the drug company. Wow. Um, yeah. Because um the fun thing is to go on the drug. I had to get another blood test done, testing for the John Cunningham virus, Whoa. which apparently like 70% of the population has in their system. What? Yeah, it's wild, but uh, it doesn't do anything to them because it's just hanging out there. So I get- <laughs> oh, so is it that if you, if you have it and you take that drug, it could be bad news? Yes. So if you have, if you're positive for that virus, you're only allowed to stay on this drug for two years because it leads to a higher risk of an infection called PML happening. I don't remember what it stands for. It's a, it's a weird medical term. Mm. All I know is there's no cure and you die within a couple months. Oh, oh yep, wow. don't want that. Isn't John Cunningham the guy from Pocahontas? No, John Smith. Honestly, can you imagine oh, okay. finding a virus? Can you imagine the hubris finding a virus and going, I will name this virus after my me? I think right? the Jeremy think, Saunders virus. I think a lot of, I think that's I viruses think though. No. What other fucking virus have you ever heard that has a, that's the, that's the, the name of a guy that fucking works at your bank. The John Cunningham virus? Well, now you're just being namist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it actually is the human okay. polymer, uh, polymer Poly, polyoma virus too. Exactly. Human polyoma virus too. Wait. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is it? No. Is which, it which is not HPV. No. It's papilloma. Um, yeah. But I was thinking that when I read it. I was like, isn't that HPV? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, fa- it identified in 1965. Um, By John Cunningham. You know, it's really funny. Wait, actually, it is. It wasn't. Wait, uh, what, what, what if? The fuck? What, what it was if? identified by electron mysco- uh, microscopy in 1965 by Zhu Rian and Chow and by Silverman and Rubstein. And they just hated a guy named John Cunningham. And they're like, name it after this fucker. Yeah. No, they didn't. Um. No, so I don't know about that part, but, but, um, but Could it doesn't, imagine? oh no, 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 no. Here it is. I, uh, a little further. Um, they isolated the culture and named using the two initials of a patient, John Cunningham. So, so what does That's it do? What does it do? Yeah. Obviously we know That's what it does if you have MS and you take this drug, but what does it do? Like what's it's, how's it a virus? If 70% of the, the, uh, the virus causes PML it. and other diseases uh, only in cases of immunodeficiency, as in AIDS, Whoa. or during treatment with immunosuppressants. Do you guys know what PML oh, is? Interesting. No, I don't. Penis mega large. <laughs> Dude, shut the wow. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. 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 You're wel- yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, Beth. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Beth's mom, I'm so sorry. And, and, I, oh, and, 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 and here's, here's the reason I'm so sorry. I had full authority to cut that out, and I just left it. I just it. Beth, what's um, (laughs) what? uh, I'm glad you're impressed with that. What? Yeah, yeah, Brian, laugh it up, dude. My (laughs) God, funny. So, of course, I've been negative for the three years I've been on this drug. Uh, I get tested every six months. Every six months, right? Because they're so because you could just pick it up. Yeah, and that's crazy. Like I could have that virus, but it's not really affecting me because I'm not immune. You don't have it. Right. Yep. Like, like if, but if, but if you have that virus and you have something like AIDS or shut the, f- Brian, Brian, th- thought that that, Brian thought that was really funny. He was like, Jerry, you don't Dude, have you're it. Fired man. Um, yeah, that's Dude, really, that's, that's really so fascinating. Funny. Um, Beth, what would you say is the biggest thing that, you know, all three diseases have, has taken away from you? I have, I wrote this down. I'll be honest. We're not going to talk about all the other things. Gosh. I mean, Um, we're on a timeline here. Wait, what are all the other things? The rest of us. Can we spitfire through my weird ways that I confuse doctors? Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so apparently when you have MS, liking heat is the weirdest thing ever and no one likes it. My body thrives in the heat. Huh. Like I am in no pain all summer long because of the heat. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, I just had a crazy theory. Want to hear it? Yes. So people in, uh, like more, uh, north of the equator countries, like that seems like the higher, the further you go from the equator, the more prevalent MS is. What if MS was just like a signal that was like, yo, you need to get the fuck to like South. You need to move South. I would be fascinated. No, but what she's saying is that people with MS hate the heat. No, I thought you were saying you thrive in the no, heat. No, no, no. Only me. Only her. Oh, only oh, me. Oh, only All you. people oh. with MS only. are like, why is it so hot? Oh, and she's yeah. like, oh, like, I guess the heat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, every time I go to my infusions in the summer, they're like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, I'm amazing. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah turn off it, the AC. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Maybe, yeah. it's, maybe it's yeah. the opposite. Living my best life. Yeah. Maybe it's the opposite. Okay. My theory is dead in the water. Yeah. yeah sorry. Maybe I mean, it, MS. It, they think it, it's related to vitamin D levels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which right. is why you get put on yeah. the high supplement. Which she already yeah. fucking said that if you had been listening. I knew right. that. <sighs> Maybe MS is really a sign that you just have to be f- better friends with polar bears. Yeah. Fucking Jesus. A man. Yeah. A man. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Brian. Uh, continue. Okay. Um, uh, like, I want to say a couple months after I started the drug, I started with ridiculous joint pain. Um, which according to my neurologist and all of the nurses I've seen is not a side effect they've ever actually seen of the drug, but I apparently have it to the point that they made me go get assessed for arthritis. Oh, wow. I saw a rheumatologist twice. She said there was no way I had arthritis because my range of motion is too high. So I just have crazy joint pain that they have no idea what causes it. Like my hands feel like they're constantly swollen. Oh, but whoa. they're not very fun. That sounds like a bad dream. Yeah, it does. It is. Drugs. We take <laughs> drugs. Drugs. That's how you fix that. Um, I've been high enough and low enough that I should have been in a coma multiple times. Whoa. Like when I was diagnosed and my sugar was 36, the pediatrician was surprised that she wasn't meeting me in the ICU where I was in a coma and she was talking to my parents. Holy shit. And I had a little Tim's before my appointment and went and sat down. Yeah. yeah. A little triple, triple. Can't, can't talk to her without her Tim's until she gets her Tim's. And then the whole vitamin D toxicity thing obviously is very strange. Yeah. That's a wild one. That like that mm. one kind of blows my mind. Mm. Cause that, cause that is rare, right? Like that's not, I thought it yes. was like extremely hard to be Yeah, like it was, yes. it, it would, you would really have to try to be, to have too much. I mean, it makes sense. She was taking 4,000 pills of, of vitamin. I mean, anyone knows that that's too much. Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, I take 40,000. Yeah. A lot of the, those holistic nutritionists, they recommend like, Ooh, like some like 10,000 <laughs> fucking uh, units. Brian, now, now we're going to get emails. God damn it. I didn't, even say, I didn't even say it was good or bad. I just said that that's, you know, As they do someone it. someone with a nutrition degree. No, yeah. <laughs> don't I'm even just saying, say holistic nutritionist. I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> those people exist. I know they uh, do. So what would you say is the biggest thing that these, the, these diseases have taken away from you? Um, well, my ability to leave my job. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's a big knowing one. what my future is going to be like. No idea. Um, my joke answers are the ability to walk in heels <laughs> because I still don't have full sensation back in my feet. Oh, uh. uh. Like, it's been three years. I have full feeling because, like, every time I go for a diabetes exam, they poke my feet and ask me if I can feel it. Right. And I can. I just can't really walk in heels. And uh, Heels are long. really bad for your back anyway, so it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Just, a little shorter sore. ones. I can yeah. do those ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and long hikes. Can't really go on those because mm-hmm. I have a weird muscle fatigue that hits where one of my feet starts flopping because I can't control it. Right. It's very fun. Sounds like it. What would you say is the biggest thing that they've given you? Um, I mean, I work in healthcare, so that is probably where I show my most empathy, but it's definitely strengthened my empathy towards other people that are going through any sort of hard time. Yeah. Like I always get comments at work of people being like, Oh, did you go see this patient? Did you see that? Did you smell that? Blah, blah, blah. And they don't want to go see them for a specific reason. I'm always the one that will go see them and just talk to them like they're a human. Mm. 
and not like they're the disease or the condition that they have, Mm -hmm. because that's how I want people to talk to me. Um, I mean, I got rid of my filter because I don't have one anymore because I kind of really don't care what people think. Um, when I was first diagnosed, like I was put off work for six weeks while I gained the ability to walk again, thanks to steroids, fun thing. Um, I'd go back to, I got back to work and one of my coworkers was like, Oh, so like, did they ever figure out what was happening? And I was like, yeah, I have aggressive MS. It's pretty cool. They were like, um, what are you okay? I was like, yeah, it's fine. Everything's cool. <laughs> um, and then uh, obviously my really cool party trick of, do you want to see my brain? Yeah. Which is why right. I sent you that video. That's right. So there's a video of the MRI images of Beth's brain, and we will post that on our Instagram for this episode. Check it mm. out. It's pretty fucking cool. My and, one request uh, is please cut the audio. Uh, cut the audio. Okay, done, okay. done, done. Yeah. Okay. It's my uh, neurologist saying, yes, she does have a brain. I can certify that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We do see a brain. Cool. <laughs> we do see a brain. Yeah. Beth, uh, I got to say, it's been a real treat uh, to sit down and shoot the shit with you and to hear all about the experiences that you've been through, which is, uh, which is vast. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I want to say thank you on behalf of myself and our listeners. This has been really great. Mm. It was a great time. I was so excited. This was my um, fun thing that I told people when I'd talk about how open I was about all of my health conditions. I'd be like, yeah, I even applied to be on a podcast to talk about it. And now you can go, <laughs> and yeah, I'm and here's my it. episode. Yeah, that's here's my right. episode. Let me it, tell you about it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Listen. Well, thanks again, Beth. This is yeah, really thanks, fun. Beth. Thank you. Hello, lovely people. Um, how about that? What a wonderful conversation. Uh, Beth was such a great guest, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as uh, myself and Brian and Taylor. Listen, folks, we cannot thank you enough for listening to the podcast. Um, Honestly, it's just I feel so grateful that we get to do this every week and that you join us every week, whether that just be for these Monday episodes or whether you're tuning in for all three Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. If you want to support the podcast, um, you can do that by just leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening. But if you listen on Spotify, you can use your mobile app to leave a rating, and that would mean the world to us. And of course, if you ever want to reach out to us um, about anything, anything you've heard on the show or anything you kind of want to just air out, uh, you can send us a letter, letters at sickboypodcast.com, and very likely we'll read it on the show. And of course, um, if you want to be a guest like Beth was today, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. We'd love to hear from you. We love getting applications. I mean, we're up now to, gee whiz, like 3,000 people across the world who want to be on the show. So if you've applied, just be patient. We're getting to you, I swear. We'll come around. And uh, if you've been thinking about applying, why not join that list? Um, I don't know what else to say other than the Sick Boy Podcast is brought to you by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. Uh, we are managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The music from today's episode is coming to you from Take Part. And of course, the sound design is from our good buddy over on Prince Edward Island, Donovan the CPAP Morgan. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.